when might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Ugh! I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's something to think about. You know, I know I haven't said it in just about a half an hour or so, but once again, Happy New Year, everybody. We have got a lot of challenges in 2021. They did not go away with the turning of the new year. So let's talk your money. Let's talk jobs. Let's talk about communities getting back up and running the way that they should be. I'm Mike Ferguson, joined now by Phil Kirpin, who's a busy guy right now. Phil, you've got the new Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And of course, you're also with uh, American Commitment as well. So Happy New Year, Phil. Happy New Year, Mike. Great to be with you. Now, all of our problems did not magically go away on uh, New Year's Day. So let's start with um, what we have to recover from from 2020. And that's obviously the COVID and government shutdown impacted economy. We've got a presumably, unless something really goes wild uh, here on the 6th, we've got a new presidential administration coming in. We don't know at this point what the Senate control is going to be. That's going to be decided uh, in a few days in Georgia. But either way, the House, the Senate, the uh, White House, They've got some big decisions to make when it comes to trying to get our economy back up and running. If you could make a to-do list for them, where do you start? Well, really, the key thing is, um, you know, ending the lockdowns and getting everything open and functioning normally. And, you know, we've got an opportunity to do that very, very quickly here because we know who's at risk. It's overwhelmingly people who are above age 70 and uh, medically frail. Um, in some circumstances, people who are below that age and medically frail as well, although that's less common. And we now have highly effective vaccines that are available. And so really the key is to prioritize vaccine distribution. And I've been a little concerned so far to see so many smiling 20 and 30 somethings getting vaccines on TV because you know whether they're working in healthcare or whatever their uh, job is, uh, they're going to almost certainly be fine if they get the virus. And uh, the people who really need the vaccine are those people at high risk of death who are, you know, advanced age and medically frail. But I think that if we can get the vaccines distributed to the people who are at high risk, uh, and there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that uh, within a matter of weeks, not within a matter of months, then everything should be open. We should be able to essentially have normal functioning society. And if we do that and avoid policy errors, don't do big tax hikes, don't do big regulations, don't do disruptive left-wing agenda items. Uh, I think this economy is really going to roar back and it's going to roar back strongly. And in fact, Mike, if you look at the states that didn't lock down, they, they're already there. They're back. They're, they're doing great. You look at you know Nebraska you had 3.1% unemployment in November and South Dakota had 3.5%. And both of those states were at huge peak COVID outbreaks in that month but they didn't lock down. And so I really think the economic damage all comes from the lockdown policies. And if we can escape them, and I think it becomes politically tenable, even in the most liberal areas to escape them once we've distributed the vaccine to people who are at risk, uh, 
I think the economy is going to be really strong. We had a very, very strong economy before this hit. The fundamentals are still there. The key, though, is to avoid policy errors, which is going to be an enormous risk of uh, with a liberal administration. And as you pointed out, we've got these Georgia races. You could have undivided Democratic control if Georgia goes to the Democrats, and then you could have huge tax hikes, new government programs, new regulations that would be extremely destructive economically. And so that's, I think, the key is get things open, get things running, get things normal, and don't let government mess it up, uh, which is always easier said than done. About a week and a half ago, that massive uh, spending plan was approved. Republican and Democratic support overall. Uh, some of those in the Democratic side in particular, Nancy Pelosi and and Chuck Schumer and some others, uh, called the $900 billion in uh, COVID relief spending a down payment. And there's no question there's going to be a debate over more spending, whether it's direct payment to people uh, or whether it's more uh, loans to small businesses or whatever the case is. Uh, the money that's been spent has been spent. But where do we go from here on that, Phil, if we want to if we want to try to stabilize things? Well, uh, you know, I was hoping that the bill before that one would be the last one. I hope that one will be the last one. And frankly, uh, I think that these big government spending uh, sort of uh, rescue packages are, in a sense, the worst thing you can do because they bail out the bad decisions being made at the state and local level in terms of locking things down. The places that are open are not in economic hardship at all. They're doing well. It's the places that continue to lock down in spite of the evidence and in spite of the need uh, that are being sort of granted this relief uh, at the expense of future federal taxpayers. And so, I, I, and by the way, I don't think anything good takes 5,500 pages to write. And so I don't even think even now we know half the things that are in that bill and we're still gonna be learning unfortunately for months about, hey, here's something tucked in on page 4,000, whatever it is. And so the way that they did that and uh, the fact no one had seen it until the day they were voting on it and the size of it and the complexity um, is the wrong way to do business. And I know they like to use the threat of not getting home for Christmas to jam these things through at the end of the year, but um, I, I think it was a pretty ugly spectacle. Well, yeah, no question about that. And that's not even to me, Phil, shouldn't be a Republican or a Democratic thing. I mean, when you've got 55 plus hundred pages of spending, a lot of this, most of this, as I understand it, with borrowed money as well, and it's delivered to every member of Congress something like four hours or five hours before they're being told they have to vote one way or the other, whether you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, moderate, libertarian, green, it, it, it doesn't matter. That should, to me, say that's not how you run a government effectively, transparently, and ethically. I mean, that should be something that's, that's across the board everybody should have concerns with. Yeah, I actually found myself in rare agreement with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who tweeted uh, you know, how outraged she was by it. And uh, it's pretty unusual. But you know, sometimes the far, far left makes more sense than sort of the business as usual, bipartisan, uniparty, whatever you want to call it. You know, but she actually, she said it's for over 5,000 pages. We didn't have time to read it. I think she called it hostage taking. So, but I, then I think she voted for it, or at least voted for half of it, because they voted on it in parts in the House. So, you know, go figure. But it's, uh, it's pretty hard to defend the way they do business. Uh, and it should be bipartisan, should be universal. I mean, they had months and months and months to debate and vote and amend. And they wait until, you know, the last second, three days before Christmas. And, uh, you know, oh, you can see it now. It's 5,000 pages. We're voting uh, this afternoon. Right. 
Yeah, and uh, we're visiting with Phil uh, Kirpin from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, which is a new organization you're with, and also American Commitment. And in the last uh, you know minute or so that we've got here, Phil, um, you've got some high-powered economic minds, uh, particularly you know from the conservative standpoint, uh, involved with this uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, what is it that you want to do with this organization? Well, really, the mission is to educate people on supply-side economic policies. And, uh, you know, the original co-founders are Steve Moore, Art Laffer, Steve Forbes, and Larry Kudlow. And uh, they brought me in uh, after Larry Kudlow had left uh, for the White House uh, to, to sort of, uh, you, know, I, you know, sort of stand in their shadows, I guess, and try to assist uh, in, in promoting sort of supply-side free market economic policies. But it's ended up mostly being fighting against the lockdowns because uh, when things are locked down and shut down uh, by government decree, you can't really do much to promote prosperity. And so that's become kind of the principal focus. But and, uh, kind of the main product that we do is we do a daily newsletter with sort of all of the news and information from our view on sort of economics and the virus and so forth. And uh, if people are interested in that, it's free to sign up. It's on uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com. You know, and of course, you're still working with American Commitment as well. If they want to find you or American Commitment, how do they get in touch with you through that project? Yeah, AmericanCommitment.org. That's the main organization that I founded and run uh, that uh, we engage in all of the free market policy issues, uh, but not really from the educational standpoint, more in the mobilization standpoint of telling people when to write to Congress or into regulatory agencies of the White House to try to tip things uh, in, in a free market direction on some of these fights. And that's AmericanCommitment.org. And then I also am kind of I, was, I would say hyperactive on Twitter. I'm a little bit addicted to it. And uh, you can see me on there. It's my last name, Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N. All right, Phil, good talking to you again. And once again, committee to unleashprosperity.com if people want to check out the new project. Uh, appreciate that. And happy new year, Camp Phil. All right, same to you. Have a good one. All right, well, still here in just another minute or two, we are in the middle of winter, but let's talk about air conditioning and politics. Why? Well, that's a reasonable question because politics might make it harder for you to stay cool in the summer and it might make your next fridge a lot more expensive. We'll make sense of all that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.